Hey everyone, and welcome to the Soul Anchor Podcast, where together we'll discover how to stay anchored in a storm and how to thrive. I've invited some friends that I deeply admire and whose authentic stories will encourage you to embrace hope when the waves crash. These are friends who have navigated some fairly deep waters of unthinkable circumstances, but they've arrived back on shore resilient and strong. We will also have a segment, what I call Anchor Coaching, We'll all answer your questions about what to do and how to stand strong in a storm and give some practical helps on how to navigate that. And we'll also be talking about just some fun things like staying sane, how to keep our sense of humor, how to stay distracted, so to speak, from the heaviness of the storm. And so hopefully that will be an encouragement to you as well. So I am your host, Cynthia Cavanaugh, and I am so glad you are here. It's our week for Anchor Thoughts, and today we're going to chat about God's unexhaustible mercy. You know, my husband has been watching the History Channel series alone, and if you don't know what that is, it's a group of 10 people that start out at the beginning of the season, and they take them out to the middle of nowhere in different places like Vancouver Island, Mongolia, Patagonia, different places around the world, and even in the Antarctica, I believe. But they bring them out there about mid to late autumn, And this adds kind of pressure to the survival experience as they approach winter because the temperatures begin to drop and, you know, food really um, is hard to find. And they have to survive on their own and they're allowed to bring 10 items of survival gear from a pre-approved list of about 40 different items. And of course they're issued, you know, emergency supplies and clothing and some standard equipment but they're also given a set of cameras to document their experiences and emotions. They don't have a crew that's filming, filming them like on you know, the series Survivor, but they have to live out in the wild for as long as possible. And then of course they win a big stash of money and they must find their own food. They gotta build shelters and endure extreme isolation, which you know, can create psychological distress as well. And then, you know, they can pull out at any time. They give them a satellite phone that they can call in and just say, you know, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I've watched it with my husband for a few times and I'm not crazy about the show because it's just too stressful for me to watch them. You know, they can't find something to eat. They're losing weight. They, you know, they're eating mice and bugs and all kinds of things trying to survive. And this is really a survival show at its most extreme And it reminds me when we're pressed to the wall in a life storm and it feels like all we're really doing is surviving and things are scarce. You know, we've run out of options. The water is beating against us with fury and it's all we can do to hold on. You know, have you been there? Maybe you're there right now. So today in our Anchor Thoughts, I want to encourage you with something that I read this past week in scripture as I was in my own desperate alone situation, crying out to God over my dad's um, dilemma. And for those of you that are new listeners, I've shared a little bit about recently about my dad's making a big transition. He's 
downsizing out of a home on acreage because it's just too much for him. And we had a place for him to move to because his house is already sold. We kind of did that in a domino effect. But at the last uh, minute, just last week, we had this huge obstacle that came up and it sent us, you know, having to plan differently. And so as I was having to tell my dad that this first option wasn't working out and he'd already kind of adjusted to that, he broke down on the other end of the phone. I told him, and then as I listened to him ask this question over and over again, why, you know, it seemed like everything was working out. Why would God lead us this far? You know, and to hear my dad just struggle like that, you know, the rock of your childhood, it just broke my heart. And now his house is sold, of course, and he has to be out the end of this month. Well, in praying and crying out to God in less than 24 hours, God showed us another path of which we are really grateful and we're trusting and hoping and believing that this is the better option that God has for my father. But before we got to that final decision, my Bible reading came to Psalm 78 and until we found out, you know, the final, final that he would not be able to move to where we had planned for him to move. So in Psalm 78, the first several verses are an encouragement to tell the coming generations, both the born and the unborn, you know, to plant that in your hearts, to share so that the future children would also know to set their hope in God. And this is what it says exactly. It says, to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And the verses that follow are the story or the narrative of all that God did for the Israelites. However, the Israelites did not keep God's covenant. I made a list as I was reading through what God had done and then how they responded. The Israelites did not keep God's covenant. They refused to walk according to God's word. And then they still sinned more, it says. They tested God in their hearts over and over again. They forgot his power or when he redeemed them from their enemies. They demanded from God what they craved from God. It uses that word craved. Despite all his wonders, they still did not believe. And yet, over and over again, God showed his inexhaustible mercy. He gave them over and above, and they still didn't repent until their survival became so extreme when they finally turned to him, remembering that God was their rock. That's what it says, the most high God, their redeemer. Yet, they still flattered him with their mouths. They lied to him. Yeah, that's exactly what it says and that their hearts were not steadfast toward him. And then the most amazing thing happens, and this is what God says in the middle of all of this. He says in verse 38, Yet he, being compassionate, atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. He restrained his anger often and didn't stir up all his wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passes and comes not again. And in another translation, it says, and he remembered that they were but dust. Wow, is this not God's inexhaustible mercy at its finest 
when the ugliness of our humanity shows up. Now, God did get angry. They didn't get off the hook. He is merciful, but he's also a God of justice. And it says in verse 21, his anger rose against Israel because they did not believe in God and did not trust his saving power. When I read this, it hit me like a ton of bricks. The reason that God was so angry at Israel wasn't necessarily because of all that they did or didn't do, but mainly because they didn't believe God or trust his saving power. Believe and trust, trust and believe, no matter how you look at it, this is the very reason that they failed God. Not only because they were demanding, broke his commandments, flattered him with their words, or even sinned more and more, yet it was tied to their belief. And here's where it intersected for me last week. Here my sisters and I were in this place of, do we believe that God loves my dad more than we do and that he cares enough about his future? Do we believe that he is the perfect place for my dad? that he won't be left out on the street the end of this month. I seriously had to stop and check to see if I really trusted God to work it all out for us or whether I was depending on my own human strength to figure it out. So I stopped one day and I said out loud, yes, Lord, I know that you've been faithful in everything. I do believe, I do believe, I do believe, I do believe. Yes, Lord, I believe and I trust you. I don't want to be like the Israelites and make you mad. I said that strong outline prayer before I, before I found out about what I told you, what I told you about our plans falling through, our initial plans, and our plans caved in even more. And for a few hours, we were devastated. But God led us to something else in the short span of less than 24 hours. And although we are holding our breath, it looks like it's going to work out. Why? Because we have to trust that God is always faithful. It's a part of who he is. It's a part of his character to be faithful. Now I've said this before on previous shows, and I hope that if you're really struggling today, that you will take comfort from Psalm 6620 that says, Blessed be God because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love for me. So when you're feeling like you are alone and surviving in the wilderness, having to scrap together your emotions, having to figure things out, remember what you do have. And this is what I'm, I'm preaching this to myself. Remember that we have God's word. We have his faithful promises. We have his promise to hear and listen to our prayer. He will not reject his prayer or remove his steadfast love from us. He promises to act on your behalf, on my behalf. He ha we have to remember his promise is to never abandon us or forsake us. We have to remember that his promise is to show us the right path. And his promise is desiring to give us a future and a hope, as it says in Jeremiah. So this is what it looks like to survive in the wilderness or in the storm alone, which, by the way, we are never really alone. We may feel alone. We might feel like there's no other options and we're struggling in what we're doing, but we're never alone. 
And so, you know, there's a few warnings that I want to share with you about making sure that we are believing God and that we're trusting in his saving power, as the psalm says. So here's the warnings. The warnings, we can take a lesson from the Israelites. The temptation is to be like them, to become spoiled and demanding like a toddler. You know, when things are going really, really well, it's easy not to depend on God. And you've heard this before. It's easy to figure it out ourselves. We live in a self-sufficient society. We have all the tools. We can Google what we need to do. If we have something break down, we can figure it out. And we can become demanding as a result, just like the children of Israel were demanding. It says they were demanding, they craved these certain things. They were craving these certain food and basically demanding from God how he should provide for them. And so that's the temptation that we have to be careful of is that we don't become spoiled and demanding like a little toddler wanting their own way. The second warning is, again, leading right into that, wanting to do it our way, right? You know, have you ever experienced this with one of your kids? They want to do it their way. They simply can't be, you watch them struggle. They're trying to figure it out. And yet they, in the process, become demanding and insist on doing it their own way. Why? Well, part of it is part of their development, but they're also learning how to trust. And it's their stubborn will that says, I can do this all by myself and I don't need any help. And that's kind of how I was thinking last week, I think a little bit, because I know that God expects me to do my due diligence and try to, you know, research and try to solve problems. But I also need to take a minute and step back and say, okay, God, what should I do here? Like, show me, direct me to the right place that can help us solve the problem. And that's what I did. After everything fell through, I was just put my hands up and say, okay, God, now what? Now what? And for several days, I was saying, now what, God? This is not working out. Where are we? What is our, what is our, our solution here? You know, what is our solution here? And what are the best options, you know, for, for my dad? And to try to help him maintain his independence as long as he wants to. And what, what do we do here? And so as I waited and didn't hear anything and nothing seemed to be coming, you know, the more I leaned in and the more I drew near to God, it became clearer and clearer. And so we have to make sure that we're not tempted to just want to do it our way and not be so self-sufficient that we don't ask for help. Because as scripture says, he is not going to reject our prayer. He's not going to reject our cry for help. And then the third thing is forgetting that, you know, we need to believe that God in his saving power promises to rescue us. Now, he might not rescue us totally from the situation, but he will rescue us from our turbulent emotions and our anxiety. And he will replace that with hope and peace in our spirit and our heart believing that he will bring it to pass if we wait on him. So my friends, when you are out alone in the storm, or at least feeling alone, remember that God in his inexhaustible mercy will not forget you. Our faith has a chance to grow in that time and be stretched. And I know many of you have been stretched beyond what you thought was possible to stretch yourself. And 
there's times where we feel like we're at the end and that's when God is testing our faith. He's testing to see, do we really trust him? Do we really believe him? And I know it's not a test. It's like, okay, God, I don't really want this test, but I'm going to lean in here. And you know, Hebrews eleven six says that it is impossible to believe God without faith. It's impossible to, to please or believe to please God. Excuse me. It's impossible to please God without faith. And the latter part of the verse is how we are called to position ourselves in order to practice that faith. And this is what it says. It says, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So the key in exercising and practicing our faith in a really hard time is we have to draw near to God and not run away, you know, not think about having to figure it all out ourselves and being self-sufficient, but actually drawing near to God and believing that he is involved in what's going on in our lives. And, you know, this, that particular verse is sandwiched between all the heroes of the faith. In fact, the Hebrews 11 is often called the faith chapter and the heroes of the faith, like Noah, Moses, Abraham, Sarah, and more, and others who believed God as they drew near to him, they were tested to the max, just like we are. And I encourage you to go read their stories again and see how God was faithful to them. So let me ask you, what do you need to believe God today in your situation? Where do you need God's saving power to help you during this storm in your life? Where are you struggling believing God? And you know, I, I really think it's okay just to, to say it out loud. I mean, I've said, okay, God, are you really there? Are you really involved? Are you really going to help us? Are you just wanting us to flail on the ocean? and on our own. And, but as I draw near to God, as I go to his word, as I pray, as I listen to worship music, as I listen and read other encouraging pieces of literature, you know, that other people have walked through similar things. That's where we gain our hope and we're drawing near to God and gaining strength from him to be able to face what God, what we're facing every single day. So what do you need to believe God today in your situation? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write it out on a piece of paper, a note card, and put it somewhere and attach a scripture with it. You can use a verse out of something I shared today or find a verse that speaks to your situation. And then I want you to confess it out loud daily, hourly, or by the minute if you have to, so that you believe you will you will strengthen your faith muscle and believe God and will trust him for his saving power in your situation. Before we wrap up today's show, I wanted to share with you again about this special event coming up. And if you are a writer or an aspiring writer, or you have a story and you know you just feel that God wants you to help get that story out onto paper, writing, whether you're not sure if it's supposed to be a book or an article or a blog series, I would love to help you. So I am hosting a special webinar on Wednesday. And I know one of the things that a lot of new writers struggle with is having too many writing ideas. And I can so relate to this. This was me 
you know, nearly 10, 12 years ago when I just knew that I had this passion and a desire to write. I felt like God was calling me to do that, but I just wasn't sure where to start. And I felt stuck. And you might feel that way too as you're listening. And just like you, I dreamed of writing and one day I even hoped to publish a book several years ago. And honestly, it was a tremendous struggle for me. I agonized over it, I prayed about it, until I finally realized after I had a conversation with someone that the answer was right in front of me. And I learned a very simple secret to help identify what was most important and then how to connect that to my story and the message to clarify the next steps. And I don't know about you, but our world needs hope now more than ever. And you've probably heard this before, that your story matters. And it's true because God has woven your gifts, your life experiences, the ups and the downs, the pain, the hardship and the joys, and your personality into a beautiful story just waiting to be told. So I hope that you'll make this time to join me in this free webinar that I'm hosting on Wednesday, August 12th, just a couple of days away at either 11 o'clock a.m. Pacific time, which would be 2 o'clock Eastern time and 5 o'clock Pacific time, which would be 8 o'clock Eastern time and you know the central time and mountain time, give or take an hour in there. But I hope you'll make time and here's what I'm going to be covering in the webinar. I'm going to help you identify at least one to two core values and give you tips on how to connect them to your story and the message that you long to share. I'm going to help you gain the confidence to know exactly where to begin and how to get started. I'm also going to help you create a map. We're going to start that for your writing path so you'll have something as a blueprint for your next blog article or book project and then I'll also help you find your unique writing niche so you can attain your goal of getting your God story out to the world and so again it's going to be Wednesday August 12th at 11 o'clock a.m. or 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific time so I'll help you join me and all you need to do is go to writeawaystory.com that's write w-r-i-t-e awaystory.com to save your spot and I hope to see you there. Thanks so much for joining me today on The Soul Anchor. Grab a friend and join our community at thesoulanchor.com. That's thesoulanchor.com to receive the show notes and resources to help you through your personal storm. If you've been encouraged today, would you please consider leaving a review, subscribing or sharing this podcast, or maybe even all three? I'd be ever so grateful. Until next time, remember, you are not alone. God is for you and you will get through this.